Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, March 20th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all kind of day. We're going to open the phone lines right now. We have no guest. We have no theme. It's all about what you want to talk about today. So pick up the phone and join me. 855-950-3835. Jump in right now. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, we can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Lines are open. Jump in. Let's get started today. So what's going on in your world today? I was reading an article this morning. Um, This really involves a lot of things that I talk about, trucking and rates, but food and what's going on in the country. Um, They are predicting a very weak uh, growing season in California. Too much water this time. California is wet and it's slowing down several of the seasons. Looks like uh, strawberries are going to be heavily affected. Lettuce, uh, those seem to be the two big, but looks like just about everything coming out of the Central Valley. Uh, And then they're really expecting a weak tomato crop this year. They're not able to plant yet. They should be planting tomatoes and it's too wet. So they're expecting a weak season all summer. You know, when it comes to rates, we all look forward to summer. We talk about the 100 days of summer when rates are strong. And a lot of owner-operators or drivers, if they don't haul produce, then they think, well, this doesn't affect me. But it does. Those trucks that would normally be very busy moving produce all summer Many of those trucks, when there's not enough produce, will have to go move other freight. This can affect everybody. When one segment in trucking is down, it affects every segment. The oil fields are a good example. When the oil fields are booming, it tends to be good for trucking in general. It pulls a lot of trucks off the road into the oil fields. We may not realize how many trucks go pull a lot of produce out of California all summer long, and it looks like it's going to be heavily impacted this year. We're talking about uh, significant changes in volume. So that, to me, that's concerning for two reasons. It's concerning, one, for trucking and rates, but it's also concerning for us as consumers what's going to happen to food prices this doesn't really have anything to do with all the other reasons we're seeing inflation, but pile this on top of those reasons, and you start to wonder how people are going to afford to be able to eat. Uh, egg prices, I just saw one of, the, one of the stores, I don't know, Dollar Tree or some store, I didn't even know those stores sold eggs. I, I don't know that I've ever been in one of these stores, but they are just dropping eggs for now, they're not going to sell eggs because they're just too expensive. That doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. Now, if we have a, uh, a, a really bad produce season in California, the cost of food is going to continue to climb, which will add to 
the inflation, which seems to be the biggest problem in our economy right now, although we're in a really difficult place. The Fed, I don't know what they're going to do this time. They were raising rates to slow down inflation, and it was starting to work. Now, the reason it works is never all that great. The reason raising interest rates can bring down inflation is because it brings down economic activity. People stop buying, people slow down producing. So it's not great, but it was starting to work. We were seeing small decreases in inflation every month until last month. And then inflation went back up. Now, right after inflation goes back up, then we have the bank scare, which we're still in the middle of. This is not over by any stretch. And what you would want to do to try to fix the bank scare is lower interest rates. That's a tough spot to be in. You can't lower interest rates now. Inflation will take off again. But if you keep cutting rates, then the economy might tank. This is the kind of situation we had to deal with in the late 70s, early 80s with, um, with Carter as president, something we called stagflation. And we're kind of seeing that right now. The, the economy is starting to stagnate some, and we're still seeing inflation coming back. It's a really weird place to be. When you're in that place, there's one thing that you want. When we are in an economy like we're in right now, what you want is cash. You want cold, hard cash. You don't necessarily want it in the market or in real estate right now. What you want is cash. One of the things that occurred during stagflation, if it happens this time, I'm certainly going to take advantage of it. Uh, the last time this happened, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I was only like 18. Uh, 17 or 18 years old when this was going on the last time. But I had a brother-in-law, the same brother-in-law that taught me how to paint cars, uh, was also really good with his money. And I can remember him telling me, I didn't really get it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what a big deal it was at the time. But he was putting cash into CDs, certificates of deposit. We used to hear that term a lot, CDs. You almost never hear it anymore because the interest rates have been so low for so long, you would never want to tie your money up into a CD when interest rates are really low. But CDs are very, very safe, meaning their value doesn't fluctuate. You're not taking well, I was going to say you're not taking any risk. You're always taking some sort of a risk when you invest. The risk investing in a CD, no matter how high interest rates are, um, is that they could go higher and then you've locked your money in at a lower rate. But that's, that's not a bad risk. I mean, that, that kind of risk I can deal with. There's no risk of losing money. There's only a risk of losing opportunity with CDs. So CDs, you, you buy them in different time frames, three months, three years. One-year CDs are probably the most common. When you buy a CD, a certificate of deposit, let's say you buy a $1,000 CD and you know when you buy it what the interest rate is. Now, for the last, as long as I can remember, 15 years, 
the interest rates just haven't been high enough to make it worth looking at CDs. Again, once you buy it, you do tie up that money for that time frame till your CD matures and you can get paid all your interest. You don't want to cash them out early. So you are tying up money for a time frame. But right now I'm seeing CD rates start to climb and look pretty uh, enticing. When we get to the point, if we get there again, where CD rates were paying 10%, that's an incredible opportunity. You, you think about, you know, the kind of money you can generate just having some cash sitting around if CD rates go high. Now, everything else about an economy with 10% CD rates sucks. Your credit card rates will be through the roof. Car loans will be expensive. Forget mortgages. They hit 15, 16, 17% when this was going on. That's insanity. Anybody that buys a house when interest rates are that high, unless they pay cash, but anybody borrowing money on a mortgage like that should have their head examined. But we are probably heading back into those kinds of economic numbers. If you don't already have cash, I hate to say it's too late. I guess it's hopefully not too late, but you've really got to start paying attention to this economy. So I, I talked about the fact that I'm worried about people's bank accounts and their money and their savings, especially when this economy slows down and it's really happening. But I'm just as concerned, maybe even more concerned about our food supply, because a lot of these stories seem to always include food for some reason. So uh, I'm looking at the phones. I don't have a single call yet. What's going on? Um, light up some phone lines here. I have some things I can talk about, but I'd rather find out what, uh, what's on your mind today. Talking right now about the um, prediction for a very weak produce season for California. That's going to start impacting already. I mean, we, we should be moving a lot of this freight already, but it also means that we're probably looking at a pretty slow summer for California produce, which means rates won't be as good and trucks that typically haul produce are going to be out looking for other freight. So this will affect a lot of us. You know, talking about food and food prices and, you know, food shortages, I've been talking about gardening a lot since 2020. Um, interesting enough, we had uh, kind of a crazy winter here in Oregon this year, colder than normal. Um, we got down into single digits for a couple of days this year, which is really odd for us. Uh, but this past weekend, it just cleared up really nice, and it was good timing for me to get out in the garden. I've had one other kind of a half day out in the garden a couple of weeks ago. Got out and did a little cleanup, but this this weekend, I got a lot done in the garden. I'm feeling it too. Boy, I am just sore all over. Everything hurts right now. Uh, but I had a great weekend in the garden. Um, it was cool, but nice and sunny and clear. Beautiful day. Uh, oh, Aaron's telling me I should refresh my screen again. I have tons of calls. Something seems to have changed with my software. I don't know what that is. Um, I better start refreshing my screen. I do have a lot of calls, so I am going to get to them. Um, since I started the, uh, the gardening story, I guess I'll go ahead and finish it. No, you know what? I'll get to the calls. I'll come back to the gardening story if I need to. Um, let's go to Texas to get started today. Fred, welcome to the program. 
Good morning, Kev. How are you? Sure. I'm hurting today. <laughs> you beat yourself up over the weekend? Man, did I ever. You know, and I, I, <laughs> I did this thing. I thought I was being smart. So normally when I go back into something like this, you know, I'll, I'll do heavy lifting, like moving around compost or mulch or dirt or that kind of stuff. And it'll just kick my ass the first day. So this time I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do more easy stuff so I don't burn out in, you know, a couple hours. I want to be able to get a lot done. So I was doing easier stuff. I've already got stuff planted this year. It's the earliest I've ever been planted. The greenhouse is in full swing already. Um, but that, that strategy of doing lighter work longer, I don't know that it worked because now every muscle in my body hurts. <laughs> Oh, that's what happens sometimes. We just, we feel good. We keep going and, and we, we pay for it two days later. You know, I don't know how many times yesterday I was finishing up like a certain task. Like I looked and said, oh, you know, I really need to get that done. And I'd finish it up and say, you know, you're starting to feel it. You should probably quit. But it's this energy. I always have energy. So no matter how bad I felt, there was still energy. I'm like, ah, eh, you know what? I could do one more thing. Ah, oh, Yeah. You know, I, I feel grateful for my bed because it has that, that low vibration to it. Yeah. And it really, takes, it really takes some of that pain out of your muscles sometimes, especially Boy, I, my lower back. Yeah, I, um, I, I should have done the infrared sauna last night, but I was just too tired by the time I got done. That, that would have helped a lot. I'll probably do that right after the show today. Yeah, I pushed myself pretty good over the weekend. Um, Got my body battery into the 70s and 80s, which was good. Nice. Um, yeah. I didn't get much sleep last night, so I'm down a little bit today. But I feel good. I feel I'm feeling good. I have nothing really. I'm I'm working today. Got nothing really going on as far as heavy heavy work. You know, good. so it's good. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we've been kind of distracted with this fiasco in New York and Donald Trump again, and. We're missing, you know, people are missing sight of what's going on in the in the economy. I, I don't know if it's if it's a planned action to to distract. I'm not sure about that. But um, you know, I, I heard uh, an economist saying with with this banking system, there is 630 billion of unrealized losses and. That's with this treasury story, as as uh, Silicon Valley Bank had to sell their treasuries for the, uh, to a loss. And what unrealized losses are for people who I, I I didn't know what it was until I kind of got into it is is like when you buy a CD or a treasury bill at two or three percent and you have to sell it at at five or six percent is not worth any any money. Yes. So uh, yeah, that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's a bad thing. So and so that's that's another shoe to drop here in this economy that may that may or you know if they need to if they haven't accounted for that uh, with their with their assets and their deposits that we could see a lot more failures. And what got, gave me pause was when all of these big major banks, the Citibanks and the J.P. Morgan Chases and Wells Fargo, injected that. That fairly big bank, that First Republic Bank with $30 billion over the weekend. You hear about that? Yes. So that gave me a, a I got, that's why I started digging into that a little bit and fought, trying to figure out. And I ran across a couple of people with this uh, whole 
yeah, I thought they had the finger on the on the pulse of this, and so yeah, it's just something else for people to people to just be mindful of. I don't know what that's going to do to us regular folks, but it's definitely going to hurt the big money movers. Yeah, I can't I, I can't see a way out of where I think we're in for a pretty deep recession. I mean, I just don't see much way out of it. They they keep talking about it. You know, I, I'm, I'm going back and thinking about a show we did. Um, it was about this time of year because I think it was part of uh, the year we did the virtual mats. I think that's why we were doing an event. It was a Zoom call. Right. Um, and I think it was part of doing virtual mats. Remember I had the financial panel? Yes, yes, I do remember that. Do, do you remember? I don't, sir. Do I got that C-17. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember C- you had all those people on. It would be nice. C-17. You you dealing in uh, yeah. airplanes or what? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm delivering some chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> I, just got, I just got to my delivery. I want to tell them what I had on the, yeah, on the don't, truck. Don't spill um, it's them. A, it's an in-house product. No, 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 definitely not. Um, uh, But, yeah, no, that was a very informative panel, too. Do you you remember? Um, You had had Noel Perry on there and a few other people. It was very good. Do you remember what Todd Amon said? Oh, yeah, he was the, he's the, um, uh, he's the guy from. uh, ATBS. Truck Stop, right? No, that's, that's Brent. ATBS, rather. That's Brent. Brent was on the panel, too, though. Brent was on that panel as well. Yes, yes. so was uh, Chuck Snow, I think, uh, the CEO from Traffics. Yes, yeah, Chuck so. was there too, I think. So Todd made a statement that was just jaw-dropping. When he first said it, I thought he was joking. And then I went and did some research on it, and he wasn't. I'm not sure how I never really came across this concept. Um, it doesn't get talked about a lot, but it, the idea has been out there. And the idea was that the government had figured out that you could just keep printing money to avoid recessions and that we were never going to have a recession again because the the Fed and the government figured out how to manage the money. And when we need more money, just print more and we'll be okay. And at first, when you hear that, you th- I thought it was a joke, but it's not. There is this economic right. theory that we could manage money in a way that we wouldn't have recessions and we wouldn't have these up and down cycles. And it started. Now that you say that. Yeah. Remember, it was like, what? Are you crazy? We all kind of were. And Todd was serious. And there is a theory out there that that does believe this. And it, you know, think about it. Our last major pullback of any kind, which was a big one, was 08. I mean, it was the worst yep. we've had since the Great Depression, which none of us were alive during. So, right, right. Oh, wait, I can remember talking about when we got to like 17, 2017, I was saying this economic run is really long. We normally don't see that kind of long uphill run in the economy. And that's when Todd was saying, well, that's that's how our economy is going to work from now on. There won't be recessions. And we all kind right. of shook our head and said, that's crazy talk. What, that can't work. But then in 18, the economy kept going. 19, the economy kept going. And we were saying, this is a really long run. When is this going to kind of turn the other way? 
Then COVID hit, which totally threw off all predictions and, and everything. With COVID and government spending trillions of dollars and businesses not being open. And I mean, we've never seen anything like that. So we don't know how that affected our economy. Now we're starting to see the cracks in the armor, the, the rates going up, inflation being crazy. So maybe this whole, you know, pie in the sky, rainbow vision of no recessions isn't going to work. And if that's the case, then I think right. that's that modern, modern monetary. Up. Yeah. Yeah. That's that modern monetary theory. I think you're talking about, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. it's going so, to work. Yeah. No, it's definitely not. And you know what it is? It, it's like, like I was, I, I heard a few guys kind of lay it out. It started at, in, in, in the, in the end of, you know, in, in, uh, in uh, 20, hold on one second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, uh, he wanted me to back up. Um, it started in 2020 with Trump. Um, and with, with, you know, he had to, he had to stimulate the economy. He had to keep everyone going. I think it was a, a good idea. I think, um, I think, uh, who was his, uh, who was his, uh, treasury secretary was, uh, Oh, Mnuchin, Mnuchin. Oh, yeah. And I think they came up with a good policy uh, with with the PPP program and stuff like that. I think that was a necessary evil. But once he well, was handing on. off hold, the economy. Let's, go ahead. Let, yeah, let's just go back. I agree with you that it was a necessary evil to start giving money to businesses only because of the unnecessary evil of locking them down in the first place. So yes, once one hundred percent, it, it wasn't it wasn't locked, a necessary correct. thing. Right, you're right. Right, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. only necessary yeah. because yeah. they created the situation that made it necessary. Yes, yes, exactly. That, yeah, that's yeah, that's a hundred percent right. So yeah, they they you know the the advice was shut down the whole economy to stop to stop the virus, which would never work. And everyone who had a brain thought that way. But everyone else didn't. So the government came up with the policy of the PPP since they were going to shut it down because the so-called experts was telling everyone to shut it down. Um, so they came up with the PPP to help businesses at least stay solvent through that time or try to stay solvent through that time of shutting down. And truckers didn't have it as bad as restaurants and and venues and everybody else did. You know, now certain segments of trucking did, of course, because of the other segments that got completely shut down. But um, so, but when he handed off the economy to the Biden administration, the economy was rolling back strong. And their, their other COVID bill, 1.2 trillion, I think it was, and then their infrastructure, 1.7 trillion. And then this last bill they passed right before the new year, which was another almost two trillion dollars, is why we have such a high inflation. Yes, because there's there's just too much money out there in the ether, and everything, all all the all the uh, the spending, all the the uh, real real the uh, retail has artificially inflated sales because people are spending money they shouldn't have. People aren't working, going back to certain jobs because they, 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 they don't want to do it. You know, guys who are our age, that got a big inflow of cash, plus these states, these, these blue states like New York and New Jersey. I, a friend 
a friend's neighbor up in Jersey is making him and his wife are making over a hundred grand a year staying home oh. still, oh. still today. And that's in Jersey because of the, the, the programs that the state still has in, in, in flux. But, you know, so this is why we got to this area. But another thing is, I don't know if you noticed that the the uh, Treasury, Yellen and the Biden administration came out now said that any other banks that have these stresses, they're not going to cover the depositors all of a sudden, which they did for SVB. Yeah. And if, you, if you take a deep if you take a deep dive into this. Gavin Newsom, I didn't realize how rich the guy was, the, the oh, governor of California. Yeah. He owns he owns three or four wineries. That French laundry restaurant, which is one of the highest restaurants as far as money in the country, he owns that. I didn't know that. I didn't know um, that. Also, I knew he owned wineries. Yeah, I did that's, not know that, that that's he owned in, the Yeah, that, that restaurant, I think, is, I think that restaurant is on one of his wineries, I think. I, I, I don't know for sure, but it's that's in, what I it's in kind of gathered in a conversation. Yeah, yeah. a conversation someone said, uh, talking head said on the news, and I kind of caught it. I didn't go back and look at it or even research it, but. I didn't, but I didn't realize how much money this guy has, which is good for him. I mean, I don't don't deny anyone, but now I understand why he's the governor of California. You know, I, 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 well, I, I I love capitalism. So when people are successful and they make lots right. of money and all that, I, I am all for that, um, except for the fact that it seems now, though, that our politicians are able to create incredible amounts of wealth when they've never had a real job or a business. Right. No, how does that happen? I mean, look, yeah, I mean, our, really, pres- how does, our, current pres- our current president is exactly, exactly the, the, how, how he's know. never had a job. I mean, the guy's 80 years old. And, he's never had a, other than a government. He's never, I, I shouldn't say never. Right. If we go back far enough when he was young enough, he probably had some odd jobs here and there. But for the most part, we know when he became a senator, and it was really young, and he's been in the government ever right since. Right every, every dollar he has earned has come from the taxpayers. How does he end up so wealthy? How do any of these politicians end right. up so wealthy? Barack Obama, again, another one. Barack Obama. And he was a community was organizer. A community organizer, yeah. yes. I, come on. How, how do you end up with millions you know, or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars when your, your only revenue comes from the taxpayers? And then they'll claim, well, they made right. such amazing investments. Oh, yeah. They're all Warren Buffett, right? Yeah. Well, that's uh, Pelosi's husband. Well, yeah, it's easy to make they good investments when you have all kinds of inside information from your wife. Worth. Yeah. 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 And now all of a sudden, because her time as in Congress is done, now she wants to pass the bill where they can't, uh, members of Congress can't invest in, in, uh, yeah, and, in the market and, now. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> I agree with her, uh, of all things. I agree with her. We should have a law like that. Yes. Yes. 100%. So. So another another uh, but, you know, another interesting thing about that SVB, that uh, Silicon Valley Bank, is that a lot of these startups were were capitalized by Chinese government money. Yeah, that's is there. Uh, is, there that's, some, is there some kind of is there some kind of a, a back end deal with that? Who, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I mean, I just it's just it's just so curious and so odd that they jumped at this to. You know, listen, I mean, 
like we all know, I mean, if you're successful and you have millions and millions and millions or billions of dollars in your corporate uh, fund and, you know, all right, there's only so much that's going to be protected by the FDIC. So I guess you're going to have to have that kind of uh, 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 risk involved with making that kind of money and keeping it someplace because you can't keep it under the mattress. You're a business. So, but you know, there are are plenty of ways for a business to protect and shield that money. And the other thing, the other thing we need to think about when we talk about this is most of my life, I've never had to worry about really shielding my money that strongly. I shouldn't have to, right. I shouldn't have to worry about the bank collapsing. Well, this goes back to what there, there are systems in place. Let's talk about something else. I keep meaning to ask this question or go to look this up because I don't fully understand how this works. The FDIC, the Federal Depositors Insurance Corporation, right. I believe that's what that stands for. Okay. Yes. So yes. the banks have to pay fees into the FDIC, right? Correct. Now, we could say the bank pays the fees, but businesses don't really pay for things we, that we, we do. We do. They, they all get passed along right. to us. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this idea right. of a form of insurance in case the bank does collapse. When was the last time a bank collapsed? Any significant bank that made the news? I mean, it really hasn't happened since well, 08, 08, 09, it was right? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. and, and don't, we've had the strongest economy ever since 08. I mean, we were just talking about that. It's a crazy strong economy. All kinds of money being moved right. around, goods, services. Those banks have had 15 years of collecting these fees with no collapses. Shouldn't there be about a gazillion dollars in there by now? Oh, 100%. 100%. I wonder if, if someone's using that money for another fund. That's yeah, what I mean. Why, in the government. If, if, we, if we look at the history of banking in this country, we very seldom ever have failures, but we have this process where they collect money constantly to protect against failures. Where the hell did all that money go? Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you know, I mean, I hope someone looks into this a little deeper, but again, this bank shouldn't have been able to collapse because they have systems in place regulating this and, and oversight, which was not, which was not done in a proper fashion. Yeah. They call everyone hears about stress tests. What stress test means is that you, they have a certain amount of, of deposits and they have to be able to have that money somewhat secured for those deposits. Right. And, and, and that's why these regulators from the Fed, the Federal, you know, the Federal Reserve, they're the regulators. They're supposed to be, that's why there's, some, there's Federal Reserves for each region. There's a bunch of different banks around the country called Federal Reserves. There's Kansas City, Philadelphia, New York, Houston. Uh, San Francisco is one of them. I mean, they're all over the country and they have a certain amount of banks that they're supposed to monitor and make sure that they're solvent. And this was something that happened that was over, uh, you know, there's people coming out of the woodwork that's warned about this a year and a half ago, two years ago, about this, these, these banks doing this, these, this risky behavior. Yeah. So, you know, is there going to, is there going to be any, any consequences for those people? Um, who knows? Who knows? It just seems like no one, you know, all this stuff happens and no one ever gets 
That, no one ever gets put on the hook for it unless that seems to be know. the case. We just go from one crisis to the next. Yeah. Well, another thing, you know, <laughs> I get into all kinds of craziness. So my neighbor is in some kind of uh, organization. I didn't know much about it. It's called the John Burke Society. They're a bunch of tin hat wearers. So I thought I'd fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I went to one of these meetings. I went to one of these meetings a couple of weeks ago at his house. And there was not many people there, but they are they are firmly against this convention of states. And I kind of heard something about this, but never really even understood it or knew what it was. So I watched this whole presentation on this convention of states of how bad it is and this, that, and the other thing. And I got to think, and I said, well, I mean, it was a, a very good argument. So over the weekend, I'm kind of looking through, or last week I was looking through um, Fox Nation, well, Tucker Carlson had this interview with a guy about the Convention of States. I says, wow, I just saw something about this. Let me read Let me watch. Well, now I am actually for the Convention of States, not against it. Because if you want to learn something, watch that interview, Kevin. Really opens your eyes on how the Constitution is supposed to work. And it, well, basically what it is, is so when they wrote the Constitution, they gave Congress the power to change the Constitution. Okay. Congress right. plus 36 states right? Okay? Or, or three quarters of the states. So I think it was Thomas Paine who stood up and said, wow, now how are we going, what if we have a tyrannical government like, like, like England? Shouldn't the states be able to change the constitution? Shouldn't we have a mechanism here? Because people are not going to vote themselves you know, right. out of out of power, right? And so that's what this con- that's what this convention of states is all about. Basically, I think it needs twenty six states to actually start a convention, but you still need to get it ratified by three quarters of the states to actually change the constitution. So it's actually a pretty good a pretty it, good a pretty good measurement. It is. Yeah, I I, I don't and it, and totally it takes Washington completely either. out of the. It, well, it takes Washington completely out of the process. Right. You know what? The president, right. the Congress, none of them have any say. It's the states that have to come together and 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 suggest what the changes should be. And then all the states have to ratify it. So there's still checks and balances there. Right. That, that's what I got from the conversation. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree. And uh, the, part of the problem with that is we're so divided that the odds of it working are pretty slim. We're we're in a place well, political where I, we're I, so split, and we've moved so far away from the middle. We're we're arguing about the extremes all the time, and I just don't. You look at elections, how close they've become constantly, and all these issues, and even issues within states. It's you know, our the right, founding but, fathers were brilliant. You know, when you look at the way the yeah. Constitution was set up, and the power of the states and states' rights. And it, it was absolutely brilliant. And it worked really well. Right. I, I just I wonder if we can get ourselves out of this one. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I believe this is, this is something that actually will happen. Because this, this takes the power away from the federal government and gives it back to the state. So even if it's a blue state, they'll, they'll, get, they'll, get, the, they'll get the same... Yeah, you know, so basically, you we always hear about Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Hamilton, big government, small government, how they how they always argued. 
But Alexander Hamilton being a big government guy, Thomas Jefferson being a small government guy, but they also didn't didn't want to uh, have they didn't want to have the government. So all of our laws that you make you crazy and make me crazy about how we have a federal education system, how we have a federal EPA system, how we have a federal agency for this. These are all enacted with court orders, not constitutional amendments. Right. I know. So if the states go up, go back and have this so-called convention of states and say that we don't need the government to have the same regulations that the states have. And I forgot what the term is on that. There is a term for that, but it'll give the states more power and, and get all of these organizations out of the government that, they, that, that are given, that are controlling these agencies through the state. Yeah. I think, it, you know, so the, the blue states will still be blue states and they'll have more power to be more blue and the red states will have more power to be more red. But that's I, what the states are about. No, absolutely. Yeah. And and I like that system. So we'll see. I I hope it does work out that way. Fred, I just looked at the calls. Got to get to them. They're starting to pile up on me. It's a free for all Monday. If you want to jump in, 855-950-3835. I'm going to head off to Florida. Raymond, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. What's on your mind today? I... I need to sell a Volvo truck. Okay. I have changed my, uh, I'm going to my dream. I'm 62. I'm going to work on a Jersey farm. We milk cows and we sell natural whole milk. Awesome. We don't pasteurize or process it. Completely raw. I love that. It's illegal in the state of Oregon. Yes. You can you can buy I know it. cannabis. It's illegal, on, it's illegal everywhere. But you I can mean, buy cannabis on every corner in Oregon. It's not even illegal to have hard drugs on you anymore. That's not criminal in this state. You don't get a ticket for it. You don't go to jail. Hard drugs. Uh, but I can't have raw milk. Yeah. Well, here's the way. He, he, his milk is labeled for animal consumption only. <laughs> I know. That, you know, I, I, I talk about this all the time. They can write all the rules they want. People will find ways around them. Yeah, I'm an animal. I'm an that's, animal, that's, so I'm drinking it. That's right. Yep, that's right. So, I grew, good. I, sir, sir, I grew up on it. Yes. When I, when, I was, when I went to school, my mama... I said, Mommy, I don't like that milk they got down there at school. She said, oh, you don't like that old stuff where I took it down there and played with it. Okay? Yeah. You hear what I said? I do. Okay. That's right. So I grew up I grew up on raw milk. Yep. And up to, up to the time I was uh, way up in the teens, Mommy finally bought a pasteurizer because the preacher wanted to buy from us, and he was afraid to give it to his kids without <laughs> pasteurization. <laughs> All right, there you go. So you're going back to the farm. Good. Good. Uh, I love that. Yes, sir. Uh, and I will be talking to you from there occasionally just to let you know how things are going. I'd love it. But I need really bad, I need really bad to get out from this Volvo truck. I mean, all right. It, it, it's got a brand new rebuild in it. It's got a brand new rebuild in it. It's warranted from Volvo for the next. Uh, so, Nine months, I guess now. So let's talk about that for just a second. So what year is this truck? 2016. Why did it get an in-frame? 
it dropped that valve. Remember we talked about okay. I mean, remember yes, we, we got right. Thomas Live Gavron. Thomas Live Gavron is the guy that does the electric APU. Got it. Yep. And now I remember. He's a hell of a good guy. And and, and now I think he, he sort of got started with Landstar because of what we did. So I, I really yeah. boosted him. Well, good. So do we know so, uh, what that um and that that wasn't under warranty, right? No, it, so, it came out of my pocket. Yeah. Or mine his so what pocket. did that cost total? $25,700. Say that again? Well, I wrote, wrote check for $25,700. Okay. Yeah, the reason, I ask, yeah, the reason I ask is because we do so few in-frames on any of these engines after about 2014 or so. Uh, we just don't see it much anymore. The Volvos, we almost never hear of these things being rebuilt. Um, so I was just curious as to what it cost. It's not as bad as I thought. It, it certainly could have been worse. So, well, the, 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 they showed me a little mercy. The, the, actually, the dealership showed me a little bit of mercy. They could have went to 30000 on these, but they, they, they did it for twenty five. Yeah, I, I was figuring these engines are complicated enough, and, and the labor cost trying to get these things apart and back together, I was thinking thirty five wouldn't be out of the question oh, today. Right, right. It wouldn't be. But uh, I, I feel like the dealership there is – my hometown, Somerset, Kentucky. Come on. Yeah. They, no, if anybody they, would they help me right. out, they would. Yeah. yeah, they did me really right. And I, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. I hope. I'm pretty sure it's a good rebuild. Oh, I would think so. Anyway, somebody somebody needs this truck besides me. Right. Really, they do. And I don't know who it is, but somebody's out there needing a truck right now. It's got all the bells and whistles, sir. It's got the electric APU. It's got a wee basto bunk heater that heats your water. You never have to have a cold start. Nice. Like that. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I love that feature of it. It's got the inverters. It's got a refrigerator. It's made to live in. It's got a refrigerator, microwave, a hot plate, a power inverter second to none. You can probably run a drill off of it. I don't know, but. You can probably run anything you want to run electric, electric, with 110 electricity off that power inverter. Okay. Okay. So I'm just, if you, please, if you'll help me, buddy. You're, you were very instrumental in causing me to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now I got to help you sell it. All right. So <laughs> you, you, you're the Volvo man. So how many miles are on this thing total? Fifty-four right now. I think it might be 855. It's 843 okay. on rebuild, and I put about 10 or 12 on it. Oh, so this is a really, I did change the oil today. I changed the oil myself. Really fresh rebuild. Yes, it's not even got the mileage back yet. I mean, it's it, getting about seven right now, but it should, should be doing 7.8 or, there, or eight, eight, 8. There yeah. was almost a chance I would have looked at buying this truck from you. Um, I've been playing around with some ideas, what we want to do with the coach. It's been in the shop for months. There's still a lot of work to get done to it. I don't know if I want to keep that. It, it would make wanna... you a hell of a vacation truck, buddy. Well, that's, I, it I was, really would. It'd you make, know, I, I just think about it. There, there are a couple <laughs> nice, really nice new fifth wheels out on the market. Tiffin actually started building some fifth wheels and they're building yeah. some beautiful stuff. And I got the, the bug again. I wanted to go buy a tractor and pull a custom trailer, but 
I don't know. We'll see. So yeah. you might be able to get you, what, 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 what uh, the kicker is the insurance. See, that's that's the real reason that I can't own a second truck. Oh, I've I, been through a war with my insurance yeah. company because they, they won't let you own two trucks without, you know, without know. them being both insured. I, it, yeah. Insurance has become a mess in the last couple of years as well. So have you. Oh, they're running the country. Have you tried to put a price on this thing yet? I put it in the truck papers for seventy five nine. That's way high, but you got to start somewhere. Any interest at all yet? Yeah, no, I haven't had one peep. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. so. Um, how much? What is the? Well, everybody said, what, "Wow, he, he, he's dreaming on that." Well, like you said, really, you, you start what somewhere. I, you, what I live. It's such a volatile market. Prices have been all over the place. They're still not normalized. So it, it's it's difficult to price things right now. Um, here's the way I might approach this, exactly. though, since I think we might have to take a different approach here. You know, typically when we sell something big ticket like this, we really want to get every dollar out of it we possibly can. Um, and that's usually our mindset. I, I would probably take a different mindset just because we are in a market that is getting worse every week and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. So I would take the approach of I've got to get rid of this thing. The longer I wait, the worse it's going to get. So if you don't know this number right now and, and you don't have to say the number if you don't want to. Um, I know in negotiation, we don't want to give up our, our numbers, but here's the number I would be. Looking, yeah, yeah. Here's the number I would be trying to get in my own head really fast. What is the absolute minimum I will take for this truck and walk away from it? And, and I'd be trying to get that price. I, I would not be trying to hard negotiate. I wouldn't be trying to list it high and hope somebody calls because you can see they're not calling. We're in a horrible market and it's going to get worse every week. So the goal here, you got to sell this thing fast. You, you can't hold out for a couple more thousand dollars. Right. You know, I was thinking about the Indiana auto auction, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it might not be a bad idea. I saw one there before, Indiana truck auction in Fort Wayne right there. Yeah, I might just do that. I, I think the goal here is just Fort Wayne, get, get out of this thing without getting hurt is all we're trying to do. Well, I'm already hurt. <laughs> I mean... I made a terrible decision, Kevin. Really, I have. I could. I could have had a hundred grand in the bank right now if I just suck later night. Now I know we've all been there. No kidding. I know. I know. So now we we want to try to make the best of that, and I I just really think. Well, the, then I'd had. I, I, go ahead. If I'd have done that, though, I'd have had eighty-seven thousand hours. They just come up my ass. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So all I'm really saying here is we just have to have a different mindset. You know, sometimes our mindset is we need to get every penny out of this we can. We're going to find the right buyer. We're going to negotiate hard. We'll wait till somebody comes along. You can't have that approach in this market. This market has to be, how do I get the hell out of this thing quickly? Yeah, you're right. Unless I want to wait two, three years or 10 years yeah, yeah. till the shit comes. 
Yeah, Who knows when it'll come it, back, Kevin? You never know. It might be back next year. It, could. it might never be it, back. It, it, you're right. Both of Our those scenarios. You are correct. Both of those scenarios are possible, and we can't know. But I can make some fairly educated guesses. I, I think that we are, bare minimum, we're in for a rough two years. I think you're right. If it goes beyond that, then all bets are off. Uh, I, 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 predicted, I predicted a deep depression, really, when, 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 it's, when it's, the current administration went in. It's possible. Of course. No I, doubt. How deep we're going to get, who knows? I mean, it's just Rick sort of, they're finally starting to admit we're in a recession, I think. Well, I've yeah, known that right. for six months. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I just think that you've got to take the approach. You got to. So here's the other way I would approach this. Not only would I approach it as I've got to sell it fast. I, I can't really try to hold out and get a little more money. It, when I get an offer, this thing's going. So you got to figure out what that bottom price is. Here's the other way I would approach this. I would approach this as my full-time job is to sell this truck. <laughs> yeah, right. I've got, I've got a lady friend involved. She, she she was sort of one of the reasons I bought it. I thought, well, we'd look good right down the road that thing, you know, and all that. <laughs> right. It, it, right. It wasn't her fault. It yeah. wasn't her fault. I mean, That's she, right. she's, a, she's an older, my, my Kentucky woman. She's a hell of a woman. She, she is nine years my senior, and she and her husband were really, really successful at the dairy business. Well, there you go. She got her full stock in life. So. There you go. You got to get rid of this thing. Make it your full-time job so, and don't get too too worked up about, you know, not getting get, the price you want. Really. Well, it, 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 if you decide you might want to negotiate on the price, call me <laughs> off the air and I'll tell you what it takes. <laughs> All right. I'm serious now, brother. Yeah, okay. don't, don't hold out for me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not making any big decisions I, these I'm days. I'm not. I'm not holding out. The first guy here with the money I need, the guy's going to get it. <laughs> See, here, here's, I'm not holding for nobody. <laughs> here's the thing. I, I you know, I, I made some smart decisions in the last couple of years, and I, I'm sitting on cash. So I'm waiting for people to get really desperate. Yeah. I don't want you to wait till you get desperate. That's why you got to sell this thing fast. I'm going to hang out and wait until we really hit the bottom and people are getting desperate. Then I'll start using my cash. <laughs> There you go. That's what I meant to do. But how do you bank cash without uh, giving half of it to the government? You, that is almost impossible. It really is. I know people talk about the, there oh, there's if you're now when you get up to the point where you're making hundreds of millions. Yeah, there are ways to shelter a bunch of it, but you, those people still pay a lot of tax. There's just no way around it. Well, they should. I mean, uh, exactly. that's people that should I, I, pay the taxes. I the think co- we, common working man blow Joe out here working for twenty bucks an hour and paying paying twenty five or thirty percent of the government. That is at the sin. I think we all pay too much tax. I don't think the answer is you put it all on the backs of the rich people because why should we have to? No, the, you don't. You know the way we should run our government is no different than the way I, and I get criticized for this constantly, the way I talk about running a business. Very seldom do you ever hear me talk about revenue much. What you always hear me talk about is cut expenses. 
That's the best way to run a business. It's the best way to run your own bank account. Cut expenses. So when we keep hearing about the government well, needs take- more tax money, who are we going to tax? And the answer is, well, tax the rich. No, stop taxing anybody this way. Stop spending so much stupid money. Let's get rid of. That's why I exactly. I, I, that's why I really am a big fan of, of Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't think I don't know if the guy has a snowball's chance in hell, but I like what he's saying. He wants to get rid of entire oh, agencies in the government, which is exactly what we should be doing. Amen. Yes. Yes. You know what? Well, that's one thing. I went through a government shutdown one time. The government shutdown. You know, I didn't notice one damn exactly. bit of difference out here in the real world. Exactly. We could <laughs> shut down. Well, you know, here's another example. I, I used to say that, you know, we should run our government more like we run businesses. But even yeah. that anymore, when you look at Twitter is a great example. Our economy was so strong, these tech companies make so much money, that Elon Musk was able to come in and fire about 80% of the staff and somehow Twitter got better? How inefficient was that? What the hell were all those people doing? That's like our government, though. We could get rid of about 80% of our government and the average person would never notice a difference. I wonder if Elon might ever run for president. I, I don't know. I don't think he should either. Um, I don't know. I don't think he should either. I, yeah. I tell you who yeah. I want the next president to be is Ron DeSantis. I hope he's got enough. Well, I don't. I, I know nothing about his political. I think he needs to be the next president. Ron DeSantis does. Uh, he, I, I wouldn't argue that. And when he came out just recently against sending any money to the Ukraine, to Ukraine and trying to shut that down, he uh, he instilled even a little more confidence in me. So maybe uh, maybe DeSantis should pick up Ramaswamy as his running mate. Maybe that's how this will shake out. We'll see. Let's uh, we're gonna roll back into the calls here. We're gonna go to Arkansas this time. Austin, welcome to the program. How's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, I'm on my third year of my own authority. I've been very blessed. I almost got my truck paid off, got my trailer paid off. Congratulations. And uh, just got through, just about got through paying, well, I did get through paying the high insurance for the first two years. My my renew for my third year went down about, oh, what was it? Went from 21 to 12. Excellent. Man, insurance. that's a nice little bonus. And uh, I bought a dump truck. It, I bought it more for sentimental value, but it's, uh, I paid cash for it, paid for it. And I want to have it to use, and my dad's going to drive it some. But to put it on my MC, they want $7,000 to put Wait. it on my insurance. Oh, okay. Um, $7,000 uh, a year? A year, yeah. Yikes. That's a Just lot. Just to add it on to my MC number, it is. Huh. I was thinking, I don't know if you've ever heard, I don't need an MC on that. All I need is an intrastate authority. How would you go about doing that? I could get another DOT number, but I would think I'd have to have another business name and everything. I have no idea. You, you stumped me on this. That This is compliance kind of stuff. The states can be different and confusing. This is not 
my area of expertise at all. I, I realize we don't need any kind of authority here because we're hauling exempt commodities. So it's not authority that we're talking about. You're just talking about registering with the DOT, your MC number. I have a feeling that, and I'm just guessing again at this, so don't put any stock in anything I say. You and I are just hanging out at the liar's counter right now. Um, I have a feeling it's not going to matter to your insurance company how any of this is registered. I think they're just looking at it and saying, we have a vehicle out out on the street and this is what we're going to charge them. I don't know that how it's registered Uh, is going to matter to them. Right. Well, I got some friends that run in trust state. They call with dump trucks, and they he's got a what thirty year old newer truck than what mine is. He only pays like forty five hundred dollars a year on interest state. Okay. That, then there maybe See, there I'm, maybe there is something to this. Maybe if the insurance company here's all that changes. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is whether you are registered with a, a federal DOT or just intrastate, which again, I don't understand all that well. All Again, I don't think the insurance company cares about that. I think their rate is based on what this truck's going to be doing. Are they aware that it's only going to be used locally? Yes, and I've told them that. They said it don't matter. It only goes on the policy. See, under my MC, I have a $100,000 trailer interchange. What if, what if, what if you it, were to do this? What if you were to just just start calling insurance companies, forget your other business, forget your other insurance policy right now, ignore it. Just start calling insurance companies and say, I have a dump truck and I'm going to run around local and what's my insurance cost going to be? You get a separate policy. And, but then you have to have a separate DOT number. So that's not that hard to get. It's not like and we're getting authority. How would, how would I, right. How would I make that work? on my taxes because I'd want to your taxes that the, the, this has under- no no impact on your tax bill at all zero doesn't matter we could oh, reg- I- we could register 12 different DOT numbers and run 12 trucks as 12 separate companies and it has zero impact on our taxes still pay the same amount of tax yes. but you could write that off for my current company or it's well, just well, separate. No, if you take a loss you, on it, it's going to help you at the end of the year anyway. No matter what, right. So what would happen if you operate these two businesses as sole proprietors? And if you did it as corporations, it wouldn't matter. My explanation would just sound a little different. You just run them as separate businesses and you would fill out two Schedule Cs. If we ran all the trucks together and let's say there was, you know, some trucks made some money, the dump truck lost some money. So you ended up, I'm just going to pull a number out of the air. You ended up with $80,000. You know, one, some trucks made a little money, some trucks lost a little money, ended up with 80000 If you separate them, you still end up with the same profit. You still pay the same tax. You, the reason we don't do this a lot. The reason we don't do that a lot is because it just creates a whole bunch of work for us and it doesn't really accomplish anything. Here, though, by starting a second company, which isn't a lot of work, it's pretty damn simple, really, we're able to get maybe, I don't even know if this is going to work. I'm just saying it's the, the, the approach I would take right now. We may get a much lower tax bill. So there is a reason to create this second company and do a little extra work. But it, it the 
how you operate the trucks under one company, under 10 separate companies, really has no impact on taxes. Just you, uh, and then as far as the drug testing and stuff, you probably have no idea on that. Can you run it all under, I mean, I'm under a drug testing program the way it is. That would work for my next company. I wouldn't have to start a whole new one up for that, would I? I don't know any of these answers. Again, when it comes to compliance, I, I just don't, I don't spend much time on it. I would think <laughs> that, that you could do it that way, but I'm not positive. And hey, you're probably not going to get in trouble much if they would look into it. No. Uh, I mean, no. On an intrastate authority, intrastate authority, they don't, you don't have your, uh, what is it, yearly, the audit, one year right. audit. Yeah, you don't have that big safety but audit. They're never really going to. Got you. Alrighty. So, well, I think I accomplished a little bit. It's worth looking into if I could save uh, yeah, I three, so. four thousand dollars a year on insurance. Yeah, I, I, I'd give that a shot. It's like I said that it, it really the the insurance company is just looking at the risk they have. Uh, all these different, you know, types of registration. All that all that does is tell them that the truck's not going to go outside of the state. Let's go to South Dakota this time. Patrick, welcome to the program. Morning. Um, so $600 a month for insurance on that, I guess. If he shopped that around, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like you said, just call the other guy's insurance company. Maybe he can get that $4,500 that, rate as well. That's what I'm thinking. And, if, if and somebody... can't you just start a second Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm thinking if somebody got that rate in the state for an intrastate dump truck, then there isn't any reason he shouldn't be able to get that rate. I think what's confusing it is he runs an over-the-road operation, and every vehicle he puts into that operation, they're going to try to charge as though it's an over-the-road unit. So I think by just separating this and walking in one truck, here's what I do, you can kind of at least simplify that process. And no, you're not being penalized because you have these other trucks on the road. Well, and like on, like on my registration out of Wyoming, it says fleet number 001, right? Because we've only got one fleet. Right. I wonder if in his state, he can have a second fleet under intrastate under the same name. That's possible too. So yeah. I, I don't know. So, so there you go. But uh, the reason the reason why I called is uh, on your opening. I've got some cash, and if I if I put that cash in a CD and took that cash out, you know, got got it got it to the maturity date and took that cash out, is that cash? It's not cash now. It's a check, right? Or transfer into my checking account, however that works. And now that cash that I had. It's now traceable through our glorious government. Is that, is that, is that kind of right? Yes. Yeah. Anytime we put <laughs> our money in any institution, the government requires all kinds of reporting from financial institutions. They want to know how much money we've got. Yes. Once it's in the system, it's being tracked. Um, let me give you an example of, of, so if you wanted to just keep your money, you know, buried in the backyard or stuff your mattress with it or whatever, you can. Uh, here, here's what you're giving up at the moment. Let's say that you had 100000 
that we wanted to put into a CD or we wanted to, you know, we don't want it just sitting in the backyard. We actually want it to make a little money. Given today's rates, I think um, I can get a CD today at about five and a quarter percent. Um, so if you put a hundred thousand in the the bank in a, in a one year CD at 5.25%, I just looked it up. Um, I can get that rate today. Um, then I end up with $5,250 of kind of free money. If I bury it in my backyard, I don't have that $5,200. But isn't the whole point of having a little bit of cash in a lockbox uh, at the house? Oh, no doubt. A, a no, better I, I, idea. A, a better idea in case everything goes to hell on us. Well, yes. I hopefully it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, I have a reasonable amount of cash on hand that will never see the bank. It, it's it's I've got physical cash in my hand and, and I'm always going to keep that amount above and beyond that. Then where right. am I going to invest cash to get my best return? But no, there's definitely a number. Everybody kind of has to decide what that number is for themselves. But there is a number that I believe we should be holding in cash, you know, in our own possession always. OK. And, and, and so in your opinion, what is that number? And it doesn't have to be your number, but. Just for us, you know, guys that got a little so, cash, what, what do you think that number is? So I'm going to put out a number. Here's a problem with it. Some people are going to be shocked because they've never had that <laughs> amount of money in their lifetime. I mean, if you look at the right. average American, the average American honestly has never had a cash available. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. They've got debt and credit cards and, and all kinds of other things. So a lot of people hear the number and they're shocked and other people go, well, that's not going to be enough, is it? So it, it's, it's a number that's really hard to come to. I, I will tell you that I don't like to have anything less than 25000 And that's kind of where I'm at. Too. Yeah. And that's just pure cash. That's uh, not going in the bank that. for any reason. Um, right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, you know, somewhere so- safe. Yeah, and then and then uh, yesterday I visited with some folks that I used to work for. I've uh, been a long time catching up, and they're they're in their late seventies, and they're in and 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 I don't know if you know anything about this or not, but uh, they're into radionics, 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 and you know anything about that? I've never even heard the word. Okay, well, so it, it it's. It's kind of cool. I'm not sure I know all about it either. And, okay, so I, I, got I, better just, half. I, I, I just read a quick explanation, and I would okay. not be in favor of this at all. Okay, and here's why. Here's why. <clears throat> so what we're talking about here, radionics, um, also called electromagnetic therapy, Um, is an alternative medicine that claims disease can be diagnosed and treated by applying electromagnetic radiation. I doubt that very, very highly. I think the opposite is true. We start messing around. I'm worried about EMFs in general for my health. EMFs did not exist in in the forms we have today when we were hunter-gatherers. We have Bluetooth, we have radio signals, we have cell phone signals. 
We've got electricity being generated. We're sending signals from our phone to earbuds stuck in our ear. I think one of our big health issues today is an excess of EMFs. And I have never seen any research where we understand exactly how this works. So to take something that I think is killing us slowly and causing all kinds of health issues and then try to use that as a therapy, there's, there's almost zero um, information that this is effective True. at all. Right. Yeah, there, there's almost none. Okay. I would stay so far away from this. Okay. And then uh, you guys were talking with that first caller. So let, about, let, let, let me go back and explain. Know, in, okay. Sometimes when we talk about the human body, we, I've said before, you can go back and find research that'll support almost anything you want to support. So I always go back to how did we evolve as hunter-gatherers? When we were healthy, we didn't have tooth decay. We didn't have autoimmune conditions. We didn't have metabolic diseases. You know, we, we died from things like infections or, you know, injury, but we didn't have all these chronic diseases. At that time, when we were living as hunter-gatherers, completely healthy like that, where did EMFs even come into play? They didn't. So well, why, why, do, why do we right. think they, they that somehow there. EMFs now are the way we need to be healthy? Like we think we have some, some lack of EMFs. We don't have enough magnetic frequencies messing with our body. We're going to add some more. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I get it. And I, and, and the running joke over there yesterday, you know, was, uh, where's your sailboat shaped uh, aluminum hat? You know, that kind of thing. Cause it does <laughs> right. kind of sound a little goofy. Right. Well, I, so, I am, you know, I, and, and, and they laugh and they're good folks. Don't, I, don't I take do, that the wrong way, but I do try to people. keep my mind wide open. I, I really do. I try to take a new idea and look at it from all angles and say, just because it sounds goofy, it, I, I will, I'll look at it. I've looked at this idea of EMFs, even though I didn't know this existed. I've done enough research and background and thought about enough things. As soon as I see this, I have a pretty strong opinion about it. Well, I get it. I get it. And, and, and I was skeptical out of the sheet. And like I said, the wife's doing her research now, and, and I've got your opinion, and, and I'll let her give me hers. And, there you go. And then we'll, we'll go from there. And, 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 you know, she's pretty damn smart. There you go. But anyway, back to that first phone call, you guys were talking about, you know, all the money floating around and, and how, they, how they switch it from here to there and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you something. The people in Washington are... They, they do the same thing that the criminal system uh, uh, put, uh, uh, oh, what the hell is her name, Martha Stewart away for. They're doing insider trading. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. who knows what they're doing. If you figure out, you figure out how many pickups, cars, and big trucks are on the road every day fueling up. What are they doing with all that road tax? They sure as hell ain't putting it in the road. Yeah, <laughs> well. That, that's what I mean uh, they, about all they, the they government. They got to be sticking spending. it in their pocket. Yeah. Well, that's that's how these right. that's how politicians end up being extremely wealthy. When we look at, we know exactly how much money they earn every year, and none of it makes sense. There's no way Nancy Pelosi should be worth all the money she's worth right now. 
or any politician. I could pick a ton of before it happened. I could pick Republicans and say the same thing. If they've spent their whole career in politics, they should not be multimillionaires. But six months before something hits the market, they've already got the inside line. Exactly. Well, and and not only that, we we know there's all kinds of corruption and kickbacks. And I I can think of a, a hundred ways to make money as a politician, and they're all wrong. Well, and how can how can any one person live with themselves doing that shit, except they've got more money in their pocket than they deserve until they give themselves term limit? They're not going to do any different. Here's an idea I've had that uh, it freaks a lot of people out. Almost everybody agrees with term limits, right? Have you ever heard an an average person who doesn't agree with term limits? Nope. There doesn't seem to be many. I'm sure we could find a couple of loonies if we look hard enough. But for the most part, everybody kind of agrees. Our government was supposed to be of the people, for the people, by the people. We were average citizens were supposed to go serve their government and then go back home. That's how it was supposed to work. We, We were never we never really gave much thought to these career politicians. What about this? What if we did institute term limits? And I'm not going to argue about the details right now, but some sort of term limit. So you can't stay in Congress. You know, we have a term limit on the president and other. We should have the same thing on on Congress and um, even bureaucrats. We should have term limits on bureaucrats as well. But I would make one more change. And this is the one that freaks people out. I I say when since we have term limits, you're not going to be there forever. You're going to be there for a limited amount of time. And, and then you're not going to some other position in the government either. I mean, the term limits are going to be clear. You, you right. go to the government, you serve your time, you go home, become a civilian again. And then maybe you can come back after a certain amount of time and and try for another job. But you're not going to stay in government your whole life. Once we have term limits in place, here's the idea that freaks people out. I think when you get elected, you should get paid during your time in government exactly what you are getting paid in the free market. Yes. Why wouldn't you? Why should why, they why, make $174,000 a year wait, to be in Congress? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm saying I might pay somebody a million dollars a year to be in Congress, but I may pay somebody else minimum wage. Why does everybody get the same? Yep. That's not how it works in the real world. I, we have truck drivers. We talk about it all the time. We have truck drivers who made over 200000 last year. We have some that made 40000 That's the way free markets work. If you are only getting paid minimum wage in a free market, why would I pay you more than that to work in the government? And if you're so good that you're getting a million dollars a year in the free market, well, then that's what you're worth in the government. It's my opinion. So- so are you saying that that bartender from New York should only be making bartender wages? <laughs> yeah. And, and look, maybe she was really good and she got really good tips. Whatever she reported to the government for tips and paid tax on, she should get that as well. Well, there you go. I agree with that. That's a great point. That doesn't freak me out at all. No, I know, Whatever you, your you, worth you, is in the private that, sector should be the, what you're getting. Why, why not? Yep. No, I'm right there. But only with term limits, obviously. They're never going. But they're never going to give themselves term limits. So how do we, as a country, do this? How do we, as a country, do this? You know, unfortunately, 
and talk about freaking people out. The only way I see to change that at this point in where our country is, is a revolution. Well, and Bruce asked me last night on Facebook how we take this country back. And that was my answer to his question. I, 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 a revolution. I've thought about other ways. I, you know, we talk about, you know, being informed and voting and all that. And, and honestly, we've been saying that my whole life and it hasn't worked. Things have gotten worse, not better. At some point, you have to say, I, I don't right. know how we turn this around. I don't either. And nobody so else what does about either. that? Uh, what, what about what he was talking about, that uh, conglomeration of states? Would that put term limits on our Congress? It, it could. Or, or could that it, happen it, that way? I guess I don't understand all that either. It is complicated, but it, it's how we change the Constitution is what we're talking about. The, the changing the Constitution is a pretty radical, you know, we can amend the Constitution. We have lots of amendments. Many of them have been really good, but it is a very, very difficult process. It does require this convention of states, which is a big deal. Then it still has to be ratified. It, it's why it doesn't happen often. I don't know when the last time I, we'd have to go look to see, but it doesn't happen often. and. I think that, again, I tried to explain this, and I don't know if I did a very good job. Based on where we are in politics, we're so divided. And I think in order to have a convention of states to actually make an amendment to the Constitution, we need a lot of bipartisan agreement. And, and I, we don't have that right. anywhere. So I don't see the convention of states saving us this time. So do you think you think instead of the, the of, of that, 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 that it is true uh, that a revolution has to happen for the we, the people to take this country back? I, I, I certainly don't That's want hard, that. It's hard, isn't it? To, it's really hard. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. It sounds outrageous to even talk about it or think about it. But I also know that I've put a lot of time and thought into where we are with our government, and I don't see how you reverse this. I don't either. Big government. That's too big. And and we get a guy like, and and, and look, I I still think if Trump could have kept his mouth shut, he probably could have won the last election. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. He absolutely could have. he, He ran the country. He, he, he ran the country like a business. And, and I think all of us business owners, that, you know, that listen to you and have learned from you and this and that and the other thing could, could can put that into perspective and say, this country needs to run like a business. You know, here, no, I agree. Here's the problem. As a business owner, he got to the place where you've got enough money, you've got enough resources, you've got enough power that you can look at the media if you want, tell them to go take a flying, you know what? Who cares? What are they going to do to him as a business person? Nothing. But the minute he stepped into politics, his biggest mistake was making an enemy of the media. And and the nicknames and all, you you know. Right. (laughs) And he's not going to change. That's the problem. He's not going to change. As a business person, do that all you want. When you get that strong, you can just tell everybody, take a leap. I I don't need you. You can't ever do that as a politician. And we saw what happened. 
he defeated himself. Well, and I was, and I was very proud of him uh, when he went to Palestine, Ohio, and gave that water and made an appearance, and he didn't make it about himself. You, so is that the new Trump? Well, but well, is he going to get indicted this week and he's in jail or what? Well, <laughs> now, the, now the crazy so. talk is that if he does get arrested and it's public and he's putting handcuffs and all this, that he would win in a landslide yep. is what some people are predicting. Yep. Well, and maybe maybe that's what needs to... But yeah, I'm not sure know. I'm behind him. That, well, that, that, see, I'm that's not. That's my trouble. I, I'm not. I... I I've said it a thousand times. I'll probably say it a thousand more before this is all over with. I loved his policies. I don't think he should be president. I just don't think it's good for this country. I want somebody with policies just I like his. I think he should be an advisor. I, I don't right. know what. I, I think he has become such a lightning rod that, that I don't know that there's a place for him anywhere in today's politics, honestly. But I don't know. But as far as... The election goes, I, I don't think, I, I, he just should not be our candidate. I, I don't think it was good. I, I think it tore the country apart. And I, I, again, it's not because of his policies, but he should have never made nope. an enemy of the media. It was a horrible mistake. You know, if they could sew a zipper on his lips and then just have an assistant pull that closed after he makes a statement, and then he walks off the state, that'd be a pretty good deal. Well, then they'd also have to you stop know? him from tweeting. <laughs> yeah i know so all right well that's all i had uh right. thank you very much you're welcome have a good day go, go we'll check out yeah go check yeah, out bye -bye. vivek ramaswamy um okay just and like i said i don't know where this is gonna go i really like what this guy is saying and if you liked trump's policies i think you'll like uh, vivek's even more He's saying a lot of really, really smart things. We'll see what happens. It's a crazy situation. All right, we are out of calls. Uh, let me check real quick to see if I had any other notes I wanted to talk about, and I'll give, uh, give you a minute or two if you want to jump in with the call here. Um, <clears throat> one thing I'm uh, interested in, this may have uh, an interesting impact on our, our industry right now. Uh, we have new low NOx rules coming out for 2027, which isn't that far away. And they're already talking about a pre-buy. Uh, there'll be a 2026 deadline. And here's some of the headlines I've been seeing. Uh, is the largest truck pre-buy ever on the horizon? Um, environmental group says no evidence of truck pre-buys. EPA 2027 and beyond, how will new low-knocks rules affect fleets? <clears throat> We're already in a crazy time. One more big rule like this could uh, really kind of throw us into a tailspin. So we'll keep an eye on that, let you know what's going on with that. Uh, I did cover the California produce season. If you haul produce out of California and you're, you're used to those numbers and how the seasons change. Call me up. Let's talk about it. Um, it I, I just saw another headline. 20% of the strawberry fields in California are underwater. Strawberries are going to be very expensive this year. Um, fortunately, I think I should have a very, very good strawberry season this year. My strawberries are now two years old. 
um, and they were really starting to produce last year. So watch out for strawberry prices. And I think you're going to see a lot of produce prices go up, but I'm also concerned about what it's going to do for rates and volume in trucking. Let's go to Tennessee. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Uh, Good morning for you. Uh, Yeah, uh, talking about the convention of the state, you know, the things that are not going to get done at anything like that are the left or right issue, Uh, because you got to have enough for 38 states to three quarters of a plus to admit to uh, to agree to it. Right. So the things that are 80 to 85 percent are voter ID or term limits. Those are the kind of things that just those things coming in would change government a lot. Um, term and, limits, and the term no limits you know, for the most part, most. Hold on, though, because yeah, term yeah. limits, well, like I said, I think when you talk to the average person on the street, you find very few people against term limits. Talk to the average person on the street about voter ID. They were voter ID. No, I don't believe that. I, there are oh, an awful lot of people on the oh, left. Oh, all, poll, all the poll, all the no, the polls, the polls, the people. A lot of the, even a lot of a vast majority of Democrats, of blacks, of Hispanics, every all the polls. Now the media will not let you look at those polls. That's the problem. They they don't highlight the polls that don't go oh, their I, way. Yeah, I, you got to remember that. It's all about the narrative. It's all about the narrative with them. Well, here's one of the things that's happened in the last couple of years, and I'm not sure if if they're accounting for a lot of this. Um, We know polls can be horribly wrong depending on how they're, they're conducted. But one of the things I don't think they're accounting for is most of the voters in this country, would you agree that most of them aren't very well informed? No, they're not well informed, but that one thing, knowing that I've got to put my driver's license down to do anything no, else I, in I, I get it. other than vote. I get it. That, that's, that's why there's such a large percentage of the public that agrees with that, but not the media and not the Illuminati's in the, on the left. And they're well, the I, ones that control the narrative in the country. I, I think what's changed is if you look at, and I'm going to just point to the left, if you look at the left and how whacked out some of them have got, the public, the people who yeah. who identify as being a progressive liberal, they are all for this. They, they, they do not believe that you should have to show an ID and they go through all their reasons. So I, I think one of the things that's changed is we have a lot of partisan politics, the average person being so uninformed that they are swayed by the media. And you just said yourself, the media will not let you see the truth about these kinds of issues. And I do think we have a lot of people that... Oh, yeah. That, not yet. Yeah. So even that one worries me a little, that there wouldn't be enough support for even that one. Yeah. Well, they, the thing is, the media would try to push that 80% down. I right. mean, there's no doubt about it. Right. They would, but, 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 but when you look, at, you know, I mean, just look every day, you can't do anything in this country without showing an ID. Of course not. And you cannot go into any democratic function without going, you know, you can't do anything. You can't, you can't, you can't do anything without it. And most people understand that. And that's an easy one to understand. It was kind of like the old, back in 88, the old, uh, so, the, the, the check kiting scheme that all the congr- congressmen had. You remember? That so, really hit yeah. home when people said, "Wait a minute, I can't, I can't, I can't kite a, a, a check and, ha- and have so, them, you know, hold it for two weeks before they put it in," and, and that that resonated with the people. 
So let me tell you what I would be for, and this might surprise people, but the one argument that they want to make around voter ID is that there are people who can't afford an ID, whatever that cost might be, 10 or 15. Give everybody a free. Absolutely. I am all for it. Take some of our tax money, make sure everybody has easy access to a free ID. Now, when I say easy, it's still got to be verified. We need to know that it's the right person and but give it to them. I take my tax money and give them a free ID. I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean, this is where you take a you know, have a picture ID and that picture, you know, use it. Uh, use facial recognition there to make sure somebody hadn't got twelve of them, so they yep. can vote twelve different ways. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not hard to think about. But um, and uh, the other thing I'm going to bring up, I, I just just I was just before the show started today listening to you and uh, Henry on Friday and uh, wanted to bring a little bit different perspective, uh, an actuarial perspective to the Social Security thing. Um, right now, we, we're actually at a point right now where the quote-unquote trust fund, which has got IOUs in it, you know, they've been spending all that money for years and years, but, but till, till about 2033, about 10 years from now, money's still coming out of the trust fund. If they do nothing, Right now, now the actuaries, they're they're put they've got into place, you know, the falling birth rate, you know, things like that. The rising death rate, the rising death rate is actually helping Social Security. All these died suddenly; they're not getting anything. Um, they're not gonna get a thing. They got it. The the actor the other day, I didn't know him. I heard he was a really good actor, sixty years old. He died of natural causes. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, but those people, they're not gonna get anything. They're gonna get three hundred. I think it's three hundred seventy-three dollars. Uh, that's your death benefit from Social Security. Uh, that's what would bury you back in 1936. Uh, of course, it won't now. But that was that was what they put in it originally, and it's never moved up. Uh, so that's what his family would get from him dying. But so they uh, the actuaries you know have put all that into a, into account. And it, it, in 2033, if nothing is done, um, I, I'm gonna start taking my Social Security check next year at age 70. And at age seventy, I'll get I'll be getting about forty four to forty five hundred dollars a month. Well, this inflation lately is made it to where it's going to be relieved. Seventy three percent of what? Do you hear me? Are you there, Kevin? Hello, uh, Kevin. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you are. Okay. Yeah. So on the, ten years from now, I'll be drawing you know forty four hundred plus inflation you know, over the years. On that date, I will. It will go back down to seventy-three percent of that number, and that's the that's the actuarial's number that will last on up to twenty-one hundred. Well, now what they'll end up doing, they'll end up moving from sixty-seven up to sixty-eight and sixty-nine over these next couple of generations. That'll take care of part of it, and they'll probably do a donut uh, for the you know right now it's about one hundred forty-seven thousand or something like that. All you can pay in on Social Security every year, and then you get a break after that. Um, they will probably have a donut where you get a break up to, say, 250 and folks above that will pay on up to whatever they make. Uh, those so, two things hold, right there would bring it back up to 100% at that I, point actuarially. I have a problem with one of those. I have What's a problem that? with if you're going to oh, the, charge people. The donut? <laughs> if you're going to charge people, if you're going to make them pay in up to a million dollars or whatever, if there's no ceiling or even if there is a ceiling, then, right. then they right. need to be able to collect that back out, and that that doesn't do yeah, any well, good. Yeah, well, they'll get so, back. I mean, they'll get the max dollars. But yeah, it is, it is, it is, it is a uh, progressive so, system. The people on the bottom end 
get a much higher percentage of their, their current their current income than anybody in our income which, rates and up. You which know? I think is wrong, yeah. but I won't even argue that. But but I I think the yeah. system. The way it's currently designed, where there is a limit, a cap on Social Security, I think that's a good idea. And it should be that way. We don't need millionaires in our Social Security system any more than what they already are. We we don't want the government collecting on a million dollars worth of salary. And we don't want the government managing and paying out on a million dollars worth of salary. I have a real problem with that idea. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. A real problem. I think that would be a oh, yeah. horrible oh, yeah. idea. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, you know, like I say, the, you know, uh, the actuaries, I mean, I, I follow a lot of them. Uh, and, it, you know, that number's moved. You know, it was as high as 2037 at one time. But then everybody from 20, uh, after 08, everybody that went off their 99 weeks of Obama uh, unemployment, uh, they went on SSDI because yeah. they were anxious. Yeah. At that point, you know, that was there was a huge number that it used to be 2037 was the number that it was going to be. It's come down because of things like that. And they've never looked back at these people. These these people are just fine. And you I'm know, sure they're, they're, they're functioning fine. I've got I've got family members. I know that that, that they got on it. And all of a sudden they look like a million bucks. <laughs> well, you know, here's <laughs> you know what I mean, since we're on this topic, we have this cap for Social Security, which I absolutely agree with and hope they don't change. I've also thought forever yeah. we should have that same cap on Medicare. In fact, I'd be willing to say on Medicare, just don't charge me at all, and I'll, I'll never take a dime out of that system. Why do so? What that proves well, I, I did, yeah, is that yeah. Medicare is a Ponzi scheme. If we were to stop charging yeah. all oh, the yeah. really well, rich people well, for they Medicare, are. There's no doubt. Medicare would collapse. But the really rich people don't use Medicare. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, they, they, they use it. it, but they're not. I mean, here, no, well, here's the thing. Now, there's, there, is, there is one. There, well, but there's one thing to remember. Uh, Medicare Part B, if you don't, you got to sign up for it three months before up to three months after 65. Now, whether you use it or not, you got to sign up for it. If you don't sign up for it, your penalty is your, your Part B premiums will be three times normal premiums for life. You definitely want to sign up, but you just don't use it. That's all, you know. But you do have to sign up. Do you know? People, I heard people say, no, "Well, I'm uh, not even gonna sign up for it." Yeah, they're gonna take it out. They're gonna they're gonna penalize you on your income taxes every year, and they're gonna get their money. So it's kind of like the Obamacare penalty, but that's been there for I mean, forever. The know, Medicare penalty's been there most, forever. So most of the best practitioners just don't accept Medicare at all. Oh, I, I agree. I, I agree, and and you now. Do, but do sign up because if you oh, don't no, sign I, up, I, you'll still have to it, pay that. Well, right. Like, and, I, I, yeah, I pay one hundred and sixty four twenty a, a month. It would cost is, you uh, what four ninety four ninety two sixty. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Rhetorical question, but why is the whole Medicare system so uh-huh. stinking complicated? Uh, it's. I tell you what. It. it I'll be real honest with you. I was shocked about something. Uh, for people over sixty five, it's pretty cheap if you're in the doctor system. You know, like I just have no, Medicare Advantage because I, I never I use that. I mean, why is so it so complicated? I, I, why do we have part yeah. A, B, C, and D in this yeah. in this state? Part, you get this. They, and, they, oh, you're, you're up to J, you're up it, to J now, right? You're up. I know, to, right? It's a mess. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to. You have to. You have to educate them. I read. I, I read. I read five books before I turned sixty-five, yeah. figuring out exactly yeah. what I want to do because I don't utilize doctors much. Yeah, right. I do it the cheapest way that I can. 
I have Medicare Advantage. I do. I pay zero premiums for Medicare Advantage. Only I pay for it, Part B. And I got I got to pay for it. I'm in that system, but out there, there again, I go to doctors. I go to don't take it. I just pay cash. You know, it's right. like, not a big deal. I go to a chiropractor. I got you know, uh, I got a little hippie doctor, uh, natural doctor up in Chapel Hill. You know, but that's about it. I don't. Yeah, I just pay cash. It's not a big yeah. deal for me. I'm not. I'm really not in the system. Other than I got to pay it, or, or I don't want to pay triple. Yeah, I didn't. Exactly. <laughs> I, didn't, I signed up, right. and I'll pay the Part B, and I don't want to pay Part A's the hospitals, and but. It is. Everybody does need to educate themselves when they get ready to look at these things, uh, because uh, you know I educated myself on Social Security. I started it for a year, but I paused it when I found out uh, the fact that I'm older than my wife by seven years. Uh, the fact that I had big, very big earnings years being a teamster for 20 years, and then with Jevic New Century until 2014 when I went in business. So I had very big early early years. If I waited till 70, I'd have this big, right. <laughs> big monthly check starting next year now you you've got my health to where i'm gonna live to 100 now there you uh, go. So, so uh maximize maximize my socialsecurity.com has me getting one million three hundred and forty eight thousand dollars between 70 and uh 100 so i plan on getting every penny of their uh, money because i figured i put it in there and i earned it but there you go that's right <laughs> all right steve gonna cut you loose gonna grab another call here we're off to pennsylvania mike welcome to the program <laughs> Hey, Kevin, are you having a good day today? I am. What's on your mind? Well, uh, have you ever heard of the 10,000 Smurfs? 10,000 Smurfs, no. Yeah, well, it's the money laundering system that the groups that take all the uh, you know out-of-state out money and they filter it through these different individuals who maybe don't even have any of the money to even put it towards these campaigns and they're making donations of maybe multiple donations a day for campaigns and all that throughout the year. And the average person only maybe makes one donation a year for a you know political campaign. So they're, they found this in this, a group that's uh, called the, uh, you know, they're trying to go for this 28th amendment and in the 28th amendment, they're trying to, you know, not let anyone put any money from out of state into state elections or local elections. And that's what uh, Montana back in 1870 or something, the Supreme Court ruled that, you know, that, that they couldn't do that. That, you know, I think it was Kennecott Copper was basically running the state back at that point. And so they had the legislature passed a law in the state that no corporate money could funding the various campaigns that are going on in Montana, but the Supreme Court overruled that you know thing that they had had the law there. Okay. So just wanted you you'd heard anything about that? No, I'm not familiar with that at all. Yeah, I, I read it through the Epic Times, the news in the Epic Times, and they kind of explained it pretty good. But I just thought I'd point that out to you because. A lot of the elections that are happening today, like, for instance, the election that happened in Alaska this last time where I forget the actual candidate's name that we're up for at that point, but 95% of the money that was in the campaign came from out of state. Now, is, is that the state that's controlling that, or is that right. the actual people putting the money in? Yeah. I, I, so that's what yeah. they're trying to do with that. Not, not familiar there's with like, this I issue. think there's 22 states. 
Yeah, there's like 22 states that are, you know, in on that at this point. So I just thought I'd pass that along to you so you could you know, look into it. Yeah, I will check that out. Thanks for the call. All right. It looks like we're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, I think we've got a pretty normal schedule this week. Uh, Power Hour tomorrow, Destination Health on Wednesday. I don't know who my guests are this week. I should figure that out, I guess. Uh, But we're in for a pretty normal week. So we'll wrap this up today. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.